It is. I think, you know, it takes work. That's what this is. Marriage takes work. Um, it is yeah. not unconditional love. Okay. It is not. It is like choosing to love somebody mm. every single day. It is a choice that we make. It is, it is not like I say, you know, I do and then that's it. Like, because there's a lot of marriages yeah. that they don't even like each other, but they're staying in it because of whatever, you yeah. know? So I think <laughs> right. that it's, it's the choices. It's the, it's the choice to choose to love each other every day. And then I think it is also the willingness to grow together. Welcome back to the RO Podcast. Hey, it's Joey Odom, co-founder of RO. And hey, you know what the RO Podcast is here for? We're here for families to give you the inspiration and tools to live out an intentional life. I believe that probably everybody listening to the RO Podcast has great intentions for their families and if you're married for your marriages, but sometimes we actually don't know how to do it. We don't know how to live out those intentions. We don't have the tools for it. So today you're going to get some tools specifically for your marriage. Jackie Brewster, she's written a book on marriage, but it's with a little bit of a twist. See, Jackie is an Enneagram expert and she's written multiple books on the Enneagram. And so she's talking in her most recent book about, and on this podcast, about how to use the Enneagram within your marriage, which sounds pretty obvious, but but we think of the Enneagram in a lot of ways as an individual thing. But really, if you can implement this within your marriage to understand yourself and then seek to understand your partner, how transformational that can be for your marriage. You're, you're really going to like this. You're going to walk away with some tools. You're going to want to get her book after you listen, I promise. But for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jackie Brewster. If you are ready to be the best spouse who has ever lived, better than any other spouse ever, well, you're probably a three. If you think you've already nailed it and you don't need any help, you're probably a one, but you could be a five. If you're not so sure about all this, you're probably a six. If you know what I'm talking about, you're excited for this episode. If you know who our guest is, you're really excited. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, well, you are in luck. Please welcome to the RO Podcast, Enneagram expert and author of her newest book, The Enneagram and Your Marriage, Jackie Brewster. Jackie, welcome to the RO Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you. It does feel like we've been here before. We just, for the mm -hmm. listener, Jackie and I recorded this dynamite, the greatest podcast episode ever, and the files just didn't upload. So it's uh, we're going to do better this time, Jackie. That's my fault. No, it's not your fault. I don't even know what happened. It, it was it's technical error, right? It's not our That's fault, right. right? It's not. Yeah, exactly. Why would we blame us? Yeah, exactly. It's it's the it's the technology. I love it. Well, thank you for for being on the RO podcast. I'm really really excited about this episode because the again the enneagram is everybody has at least heard about it. And as I alluded in the in the intro, it's you've heard about it and don't know what it is. And if you've heard about it, you love it. So. For those that don't, for those that don't know the Enneagram, understand the Enneagram, will you bring us up to speed on what the Enneagram is? Yeah, the Enneagram is a personality typing system. There's nine different personality types, nine different ways of viewing the world, nine different focuses of attention. And so this tool helps us to begin to uncover uh, these different parts of ourselves. Okay, so uh, you would be one number, 
when you take a test or if you decide to do a more narrative approach, which would be a lot of reading and listening and um, seeking to learn more about yourself through that narrative approach, either way, you're going to land on one dominant number and your number never changes. So it's not like in this season, I'm this number and then this season, I'm that number. Your number doesn't change. So why it doesn't change is because it's rooted in early childhood. It's around motivation, not behavior. Even though it's a personality typing system, we're looking at behavior. We think we are, but when we really get down to the root of it, I'm actually, as a coach, I'm looking at the motivation behind the behavior because that's going to tell me what's actually going on. What are you actually seeking? What are you trying to find? Um, how are you trying to get love? How are you going to try to protect yourself? How are you trying to get your needs met? And so this Enneagram is a tool that actually dives deep into all of those parts of ourselves uh, through nine different specific lenses. And for somebody knowing, and, and maybe this is too obvious a question, why do, why do you think that's important for somebody to know how they view the world, to know, you know, to classify, hey, here's, here's the thing that motivates me? Why do you think that's important for people to understand about themselves? Oh my gosh, that's a great question because I think that most of us go through life with the the mindset of this is just who I am. This is mm. just who I am. I know I did for a long time. Like I am an Enneagram seven. So I'm just fun and bubbly. I mean, I'm great at starting things. I'm not so great at finishing them. You know, like all those things. I'm like, I, you know, I'm going to be the life of the party, you know, all those things. But when I began to understand where those things came from, that's where I began to grow. I didn't have to continue to live my life out according to those stereotypes. I actually began to understand that I have control over my own behaviors and my own actions. And that empowered me to begin to make major changes in my life so that I could finish what I started. So I could actually put my feet on the pavement instead of like running ahead and, and always yeah. thinking future oriented, I began to understand the importance of being present in the moment and actually um, taking in account the people around me. So what this tool offers is awareness and awareness is powerful because if we have awareness, self-awareness to why we're doing what we're doing, and then we begin to acknowledge the role we play in our own lives, we can mm -hmm. then begin to change. We can pivot and move forward. Um, if you are w unwilling to acknowledge something, you will never change it. Okay. So that's, that's maybe the opposite the way you describe that is really interesting because it's all, maybe the opposite, I feel like, of how you could look at the Enneagram. I think you could you could look, okay, there are nine, oh, here's who I am. And then mm -hmm. it. what you're saying is when you understand what you are, then that gives you a little bit more agency versus when you understand what you are, it seems like it would be very easy at that point to say like, well, no, I'm a, I'm a seven, I'm a six, like I, mm -hmm. this is who I am. Yeah. Will you dive into that a little bit deeper? Because that's, um, that's a little parado paradoxical to me. Yeah. So when we look at the Enneagram system, it is not to be used as a weapon against us or against other people. So this is not a tool for us to uh, to say, this is just who I am and begin to act the, be the behaviors out and justify our behaviors. This is a, a tool of self-discovery. So uh, there's a lot out there around memes and, and all these stereotypes around numbers, right? It's super fun. But the work that I do as a coach is much deeper than that. I want to get mm. to the why. Why are you doing these things? And is this working for you? We don't want to change everything. There's not, you know, 
we don't want to move all the pieces around. We just want to take a look at what's working and what's not working. So again, like as an Enneagram seven, what I recognized was not working was I was not finishing what I was starting. So I was passionate about a lot of things, but I was um, scattered in my thinking. And so it took discipline to actually um, sit with my thoughts and ideas, put pen to paper, align things to get things out there into the world that I knew would make a big impact. Um, But if I just continued with, uh, this is just who I am, I I wouldn't have been able to actually make the impacts, I think, in my own life. Um, Because I just... You know, I would run away with my thoughts and I have lots of them, you guys. Like I, I have all kinds of ideas every day. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean I should do them. And so the, I think right. the growth, the growth side of Enneagram, um, the, the fun side of it is the memes. We're learning about ourselves. It should feel both exposing, like, oh my gosh, I hope nobody ever reads mm-hmm. that about me. It should feel like that when you have your right number, but it should, so it should be both exposing and it should also feel affirming like, oh, that I feel seen. I'm reading these words and I feel understood. I feel known for the first time. I remember reading the words frantic escapism for my personality type. And I was like, hmm. um, this was early on in my journey with the Enneagram. I have four four children. My last two are twins. And so my life was chaotic and crazy. I'm married to an Enneagram three <laughs> who's a workaholic super driver. And I was with all these children and I had my responsibility was to keep <laughs> them alive, fed and, you know, happy, right? Oh my gosh. Um And I remember reading those words, frantic escapism, and I felt like, oh my gosh, I am I'm not crazy. I might not be healthy, but I'm not crazy. So in that moment, I was Mm. able to begin to identify when I feel frantically like I want to escape my life. It usually means I have not done any self-care. It usually means I feel overwhelmed and haven't asked for help or there isn't any help. I I don't even know what to do. Um, There's no margin in my life. Like Things are not on track. I'm not aligned right when I get to that place. So the the tool of the Enneagram, I think is a great piece of awareness of the why. And so then it's almost like when you, it's, it, is it, it, is this accurate in saying it when you understand about yourself, okay, I have a tendency to do this, but to your point, but that doesn't mean I should do that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I can do something different, something more healthy. Mm-hmm. Cause they, it, I mean, health is a big piece of that, right? It, yes. The Enneagram, like a healthy mm-hmm. seven does this, right. but when you're an unhealthy seven, you become more like something else. Is that, am right. I, am I getting close there? A hundred percent. So we'll look at like, uh, this, the, health scale. So um, Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson in their book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, they have a, a nine levels of health that um, I often reference for myself just to see where I'm at, but I also use that in my practice as well. And so uh, the nine levels of health in the top three, you're going to be the healthiest. And the average range, this is where you're going to go, like, um, this is the, the just who I am. And that's typically when fear, worry, and afraid enter the picture. We go into mm. coping strategies and defense mechanisms and in our survival techniques. Like, what do we need to do to keep ourselves safe and get our needs met? And then there's the unhealthy range of our personalities. So it gives us a good picture of what we look like. And so then we 
get to acknowledge and own where we are and then decide um, what growth could look like if we wanted to. Or sometimes it's just the understanding of like, I just reacted in that situation and I was triggered by fear and this is why that happened. Okay. I can get my bearings and I can choose to go and repair the relationship and have a conversation with somebody um, or, you know, whatever that looks like. So it just, it, I feel like mm. it gives us an opportunity to own our own selves and our own story. So Jackie, as you're, as you go through this, so you, the, what you just described did require, would require a lot of, a lot of self-awareness mm-hmm. and, so what was it as you began understanding the Enneagram, what was that process like to go through that? What, what you just described seemed like it's a little bit second natured now of, mm-hmm. okay, I did this, I was triggered by fear. And mm-hmm. so I, I acted this way. What is that process like for people in figuring out how to take this, the, the science of all of that and then make it an art in their life and make it almost like a second natured response? Is that a is that something that you can begin pretty quickly or what's that, what's that continuum like of being able to have this in your kind of your forefront of awareness all the time and be able to implement it pretty smoothly? Yeah, I think that it's, um, it's a process, right? So with awareness, it takes time. I always say it just, it takes time. We have to be patient with ourselves. And so as you encounter different scenarios in your life, um, I think you begin to ask like, huh, I wonder why I reacted like that. Or if you've read a lot, it's kind of like, oh, I just did that again. You know? Um, (laughs) So I think it's some of it is it become it does become I don't know if it becomes second nature I think you become aware of it and you're you catch it faster so you can fix it mm. um, and and repair is the most important part of relationships not conflict or anything else it's the ability to repair in relationship that matters and so that self awareness you own what you did in it so like if I you know, have a confrontation with my husband, something happens and we're on vacation. So there's been several things that I have been like, I reacted to you because I didn't like the way that that made me feel, but it had nothing to do with you. And like you, you just kind of catch yourself um, and you become more aware. And it, I think it is slow though. Like the people that I work with um, week to week to week, we work on different aspects of the Enneagram and we're opening, you know, we're opening different tops of, topics of conversation. And then they'll come back to me and they'll tell me how they saw that happen in real time. Mm. And um, so if we're talking about, um, you know, the, the passion of, of the Enneagram, you know, so um, the Enneagram to the passion is pride. Okay. But it's not a puffed up pride. It's actually, um, this like, I'm good. I don't need help. Let me help you. So it's this false sense of, of, um, of pride. So what happens is they'll be like, you know, they'll come back to me and say like, yeah, I had this situation happen at work and I acted like I didn't need anything from anybody that I could go in and I could be the savior to it. I could go save them. But then I went home and I felt alone. I felt isolated or I felt like I took the brunt of that whole situation. And they'll begin to see like, oh, but that's because I 
I leaned into this side of like, I don't need anything. I'm good because I don't want to be seen as needy. And so Mm. I'll just take care of it myself. But I always ask the question, what is the cost to doing that? Because there's a cost Mm. to these things. Um, So they just begin to, you know, the more you read, the more you understand. And I, often say like, not often, I always say you have to activate the information. Uh, Otherwise, it's just in your head. And that doesn't really do us any good. It's, it's funny, as you were describing that, I felt, I felt like you were, you were describing something that I would do in just the the way that you just said that in the self care. And then I glanced at my notes here. I always forget what my Enneagram number is. And I look, I was like, oh, I'm a seven and a two. Okay. So that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm pretty close on both of those. So mm-hmm. the, the number two behavior that you just described <laughs> sounded very, very familiar to me, mm-hmm. which, which makes me think, I mean, to your point, it's, it's just, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's healthy, right? Just because it comes yes. naturally, doesn't mean that's the healthy thing to do where we like, right. which makes sense going back to your be- beginning point is. Well, yeah, that that's the that's the point of it. When if you just think, if you go through your life and say that this is natural or this is just the way I, way I am, without the awareness of knowing that that's not necessarily healthy, that's a that's a really helpful way to to go about it. Mm-hmm. Jackie, it is I want I want to talk. I want to get into your um, to your newest book, which I love. But for people who are looking for this on an individual basis and say, okay, how do I begin this the process of self discovery? with the Enneagram. Tell, yeah. tell about some of your resources that could help people get into that and just kind of learn more about it and begin that, that process of discovery. Yeah. So my Instagram page, it's Enneagram with JB. That is chocked full of all types of information for Enneagram, individual numbers, um, different tribes and things like that. I upload stuff every single day. Um, so that I think is a great resource around um, curiosity you know, uh, that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, I have another resource and it's the, it's a deck of cards, Enneagram essentials. And so there is, um, all nine personality types in this deck of, of cards. Uh, and it goes through beginning to a deep dive. Like we go all the way through the different aspects of the Enneagram. Um, not all of the aspects, but a good chunk of Enneagram, uh, in bite-sized pieces. So you can begin to look and kind of, I love the cards because you can hold them up against each other. It's like, Oh, am I a two or a seven? Let me read the two. Let me read the seven. So (laughs) it kind of offers a narrative approach to the Enneagram, which I really love. Um, I have a devotional that's hearing God speak. So if you are faith-based, um, that could be a great option. And that again is I, I walk you into awareness around the Enneagram with scripture to help you unpack, um, more, you know, more of yourself through truth, through scripture. Um, and then my newest one is the Enneagram in marriage. Um, this is like, powerful. It's side by side, you and your partner. Um, And we go, again, through basics to deep dive into all these different aspects of the Enneagram. So there are some different resources. There's some other great authors as well. Yeah. Whose names we won't mention here. We're all about Jackie Brewster here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
Jackie, here's what I what I love about the cards, the cards especially, because people ask all the time. I mean, with, with at Aro, like, hey, we're we we put our phones down. What do we do now? We um, mm-hmm. and the cards are so good because it's you can do it in a really approachable way with your family. It becomes fun. It mm-hmm. becomes a good dinner time conversation, and and you have conversation cards. But f- for me, this is this is the next level of that because it's a fun thing, like a conversation card. But you're also learning things as well, and especially mm-hmm. with kids. It, it it's approachable enough from a young age that kids can begin to train a self-awareness. So I love the, I love the cards and I'm sure you've heard a bunch of stories of people doing that, just sitting around the dinner mm-hmm. table with, with their family talking about it. Right. They do. Yeah. I hear dinner table. I hear road trips, um, mm. Airbnbs have them in there. So sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll be like, I was on this trip and there's these cards at the table. Um, yeah. Family gatherings. That's a huge one. That and friend, yeah. you know, friend gatherings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and you, you, your Instagram really is, again, this is for people to, I, I think whenever I've thought in the past about Enneagram, I think, okay, I got to go read a 200 page book on this now, as opposed to, like you said, your daily Instagram posts, mm-hmm. it, it makes it super, super approachable. And I, I've found as you learn more, you want to learn more about all right. of this. So, so, mm-hmm. um, so yes, in, in your Instagram, we'll talk about it. We'll put it in the show notes too. It's at Enneagram with JB. But I want to talk about the Enneagram in your marriage because Enneagram, I've always thought of it as a personal thing. This is my, um, this is the, this is just for me. This is how I am. And something about when, something about your book, which, which I love is that it's just like, yeah, of course, like, if, like, why would we get all this information about ourselves without applying it to the most important relationship in our lives? So and I don't know, and there probably are other resources that have done this, but I just think that you've done it so brilliantly. Thank so you. will you talk about the the process of how did you concept this and, and kind of up to now? And then why do you think this is important for, for couples um, in their marriage? Yeah. So I've been married for over 24 years now. Um, and I think as I started to dive into the Enneagram years and years ago, I began to look at it as a tool for self-reflection for myself, right? And then as I learned about myself, my husband also is curious. We live in Nashville. I feel like everybody mm-hmm. there read like, you know, is interested in it. So um he was yeah. like, let me read about this. And so he started to learn more about himself. We're huge con- like counseling family. Our our family has been in therapy for years and years. We believe in that mm-hmm. kind of work. And so I think it was like the journey of understanding myself, wait a minute, I want to understand you too, because I want to be in a marriage that feels emotionally connected for the long haul. I don't want to do this thing side by side. Um, I don't want you to have your own life and me have my own life. And then I just, just kind of coexist. But in order to do life that's emotionally connected, we had to do the work to learn how to emotionally connect. And so for my husband and I, emotional connection is not natural for either one of us. He's an Enneagram three. I'm an Enneagram seven. We both run after what we want and like, um, we're both very driven. And so it's easy for us to get caught up in life and work and all the things and miss that emotional connection. Uh, so we realized, um, at year 20, that that was a big piece that was missing. So we intentionally did a lot of work around that. And from that, um, I think this book is probably birthed out of the hard work that we did around, Mm. um, I want to be seen by you and I want to see you. 
Mm. So in order for me to do that, I have to, I have to slow down, know you. So what is your heart longing? What is your unconscious messaging? Um, you know, what is your um, subtype? Like, how do you find safety in the world? Because man, it feels a lot different than how I find safety in the world. And so I recognized like we're, I was fighting him against the very things that brought him safety, or he was confused by the very things that brought me safety. And so I think that was the journey of like, let me slow down and make sense of this. So all the work I do with people, I feel like I have had to go first so that I can hold space for other people. Um, and so I'm passionate about that. I'm trained in experiential practices, like experiential modalities. And so Enneagram is one of those experiential modalities. And so um, the birth of this book is from that place around, um, I want to love you well, but in order for me to love you well, I have to understand you. Gosh, how good is that? It. And it's almost like in marriages, we believe that the emotion is enough. Think how to say this right. Like the emotion is enough, but you actually, but there is work that goes into building the emotional connection is what you're saying. Like you, you actually have to build, you have to, you have to work at it. And it seems counterintuitive. If you think the emotion would come naturally and that would form the connection as opposed to, you know, you have to work towards the connection by understanding them. Yeah. Um, that's a really interesting concept. We, we, I want to rabbit trail for just a second. Mm-hmm. You talked about, you said there about bringing you safety. Will you, will you explain a little bit about what that, um, about what that means? I think that's an important concept. I want to make sure that, that we really understand what that means and in, in how people find safety, what brings people safety and why that's an important concept. Yes. So when, uh, this is like cradle to grave work that we're doing here. So when we, come into the world, we're looking for three things. How do we get love? How do we get our needs met? And how do we keep ourselves safe? Okay. So inside of that, um, this is the, the way that we learn how to get those needs met happens in early childhood. And then we take those different patterns of behavior and we, we try to work those into our adult relationships as well. So really early on in our life, we have learned how to get safety, um, according to the environments that we grew up in. And so, you know, I grew up in a single parent home um, and safety and security was around connection. And so, um, you know, I have anxious attachment. That's a whole nother thing. But there's a lot of different ways like, I'm like, okay, how do I find safety and security? Well, um, people bring me safety and security. Um, cooking. I learned how to cook really, really young. And I'm like, if I cook, it makes people love me and it makes mm. people happy. So that must be that must be a tool I should use to keep myself safe and secure. Mm. Uh, and so you just, you learn how to do this. My husband's an Enneagram three and he learned that achievements kept him safe. Uh, drive kept him safe. Like if he stopped, um, he could lose all of that. So he had to keep going, 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 going. And so you begin to understand the different ways that people find safety and security. And oftentimes at couples, it doesn't match. And so one might say like safety and security feels like our home. I'm going to create a really warm home environment. And, um, and that's where I find safety. But the partner is like, is always trying to go out and do an adventure and all kinds of stuff. And they could feel like this, we are not compatible 
Hey, if you own a business or you're thinking of starting a business and you need a third party set of eyes to take a look at the inner workings of your business or idea, I want to encourage you to reach out to Dial Services. Sherry Dial is an RO member. She's a wonderful human being. She's very thorough, super experienced, and she has a really unique way about looking at the operations of a business and giving actionable recommendations to grow the business. We worked with her at the I Am Mom Summit several months ago when we sponsored that, and she really is such a unique talent and has something that can really, really add to your business. So here's what they do. Three core services. Provide a step-by-step walkthrough in areas that are key to your business research best practices in your industry, and then provide actionable recommendations to increase revenue and business growth. If that sounds like you, if you can use that, reach out to Sherry, go to dialservicesllc.com. So, uh, so people oftentimes feel like they are not compatible. Okay. And it's Mm, not that you're not compatible. It just means that your focus of attention around safety and security is different. And this is where I feel like the Enneagram offers some empathy and compassion. When we begin to understand our partner, then it's not like you're doing it wrong. It's like, Oh, Mm. you're doing this because Oh, okay. I can understand that. And then if there's a equal attunement in this relationship, both parties are willing to understand what's happening in the other person. And it's this give and take. It's this beautiful infinity is the image I have around this dance Mm. around give and take, um, willingness to attune to another person, willingness to to see another person's needs. They don't trump your needs, but you're aware of them. And then what, you know, what do you want to do around helping each yeah. other to feel safe and secure in the world together? That has to add such a layer of grace into your into your relationship where you you just say, "No, I I I understand." Like you said, like you're doing this because it's not that it's not a right and wrong. It's just that it's just because. Um, is in the four years that you and your husband have done this, have you found that's been the case that that you've grown in in grace and compassion with each other as you've kind of had mm-hmm. the discovery of of what drives the other person. Yeah, there's a lot of understanding. So um, he is he's more throw caution to the wind. Let's go. Let's do. He's a three, but um, people oftentimes think it's me that's that. And I'm not that way. I'm probably more self-preservation, like home is safety, mm. smaller community. Um, I like predictability. And he is the one that is more adventurous. And so uh, instead of me being like, how come you don't care about this? Or why don't you care about that? Um, I'm like, usually like, oh, this, you, you want freedom to go be. Okay. And oftentimes it's our family, like, hey, let's go do this or let's do that. Um, and so instead of me taking offense to it, I'll I'll understand. Or I might say to him, like, hey, I feel like I need some attention from you. I feel like uh, I feel like you're chasing sunshine, and um, and I and I, you know, I think I need you a little bit more. I think I need you to be grounded a little bit more here, or be with me in this. And he will understand what I'm saying where before it would be like, why are you trying to rain on my parade? Like how, Mm. leave me alone. Like, why are you trying to control me? And it's not a controlling thing. It's like, I feel like we're missing each other. I feel like you're out here chasing and I'm trying to get you, but I'm trying to hold the fort down too. And so, um, 
yeah, there's just, you just start to pick up on different things with each other. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there is a lot of empathy in it. There's just a lot of understanding. So it, it sounds like what you're describing in that is you get, you actually have more license to be direct and mm-hmm. vulnerable with what you need. If you know that your partner is, it cares about that. If you know it's important to your partner and they understand you a little bit better, does that give you more freedom to be direct and vulnerable with what you need? I, I think it does. I think that if both parties are willing to learn and grow together and that they're both interested in emotional connection on a deep level, okay? So I think that we we oftentimes mistake emotional connection for intimacy, and that is not emotional connection. That's intimacy, okay? Oh, Those are not the same things. Um Intimacy, you know, uh, with emotional connection is a whole different ballgame. But when we are emotionally connected, there is an awareness of another person. So there is this willingness to attune to another person's needs, and we're not so self-focused. We don't take things personal that are not personal. Um, and we're able to mm. to do this dance. And so Dr. Sue Johnson, who is um, the founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy, which I love her work, she talks about A-R-E. And this is like, are you um, available? Are you responsive? And are you willing to engage? And so when we Mm. as adults are willing to do this with one another, this is a healthy, emotionally connected relationship. When our partner reaches for us, we're available to them. Uh, Whether it is answering test messages, giving eye contact, uh, listening to them tell us a story, whatever that is, like we're available when they can get to us and and we can get Mm. to them. Okay. And that, that breeds safety. Like if I know when I reach for you, I can get to you that I feel like, whoo, okay, I can relax now. And then that responsiveness that has a lot to do with attunement, like attuning to another person's needs, which is the care of, um, so I can look at my husband and I know like he is, if he's in work mode and I'm trying to get him to talk about something personal, that is not, that is not best practices. Like, um, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't talk to him about the personal thing. It just means I'm aware that right now his focus of attention is in a different direction. And if I try to get him, um, I'm not going to get what I want from him. And then if I get mad about that, um, that's kind of on me because I know how he functions. And so I Mm. can say, Hey babe, later on today, I want to talk to you about this. And he'll say like, thumbs up. Awesome. Um, so that uh, that attunement yeah. piece, you know, like I just you just begin to understand mm. one another in a different way, and then we can engage, like we can dance together. So later on, I might say, "Hey, I wanted to talk to you about the kids' trip that they're they're you know they're going to the to the lake with friends. I just wanted to get the details done with you." And he's he would be like, "Oh, okay, awesome." But if I try to do that in the middle of the day, I might get like, yeah. "I can't talk right now," or "Uh huh," you know what I mean? And I'll be like you don't care? What do you don't care? (laughs) You know, like I'm super bratty. So I'd be like, oh, so all of this is more important than me. Right. But learning (laughs) the rhythm of our relationship, it has helped us learn how to attune in a different way. And, um, you know, again, that's A-R-E. Like, are you available for your partner? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to be responsive to them in in reciprocal way, like a give and take? And are you willing to engage? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always your way is the highway or their way is the highway. But I think that's where you begin to, right. the vulnerability happens in that. 
when you know that your partner is willing to hear you, understand you, and listen to you, then you can bring things to them. You can ask for what you need. And um, they can't always give it to you. But, you know, like I might say to my husband, like, hey, is there any chance you could fly back from your trip early? Because the kids have this thing. I'm asking. Mm. And sometimes he's like, yeah, let me see if I can get a red eye. Or sometimes he's like, babe, I can't. Like, I've got this meeting at nine o'clock in the morning. There's no way I can do it. Okay. But it's not, um, I don't take offense. And I'm not afraid to ask. Yeah. That that idea alone, that whole idea of, of being ready for a no, I've, 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 I've talked with some friends lately about that and just, and how important that is that your, that your partner feels safe in saying no to certain yes. things. That's really important. And I love what you said early, just, just not personalizing something that's not personal. Mm-hmm. How, how transformational just that alone in a marriage is just mm-hmm. not like, just not taking it personally. Okay. You can't make it back from your trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have your husband, have you, have you and your husband looked at each other and said, how do we make it in the first 20 years without this? Have you had any oh. moments like that where oh in my the gosh. last four years of discovery, if you thought, how the heck can we do 20 yes. years? I think he says all the time, like, man, this would have been a game changer had we had this in the beginning. Um, yeah, we look back and think it is by the grace of God that we have made it this far by the skin of our teeth. Have we made it this far? It has been a bumpy road it's in a amazing. lot of ways. It's, yeah. 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 What's well, amazing that anybody stays married. Yes. Really. I mean, I, I know that sounds crazy, but it is amazing just because of how differently motivated and all of our different experiences that shape us into who we yes. are. And, um, and all, and, and on top of that, just our stark personality differences. Mm-hmm. And the fact that somebody is, you mentioned incompatibility, who in the heck, no one's compatible with right. each other, right? right. Because of right. everything that shapes you. So it's amazing that anybody stays married at all. It is. I think, you know, it takes work. That's what this is. Marriage takes work. Um, it is yeah. not unconditional love. Okay. It is not. It is like choosing to love somebody mm. every single day. It is a choice that we make. It is, it is not like I say, you know, I do and then that's it. Like, because there's a lot of marriages yeah. that they don't even like each other, but they're staying in it because of whatever, you yeah. know? So I think <laughs> right. that it's, it's the choices. It's the it's a choice to choose to love each other every day. And then I think it is also the willingness to grow together. I am not the same person that he married. Like, I'm not. Like, 21-year-old Jackie is not my age, <laughs> like Jackie today. Uh, when I look back, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, and he is not the same person. And so learning to give space to yeah. each other as we grow and um, and shift and change. But you want to, you want to, I think, I mean, I think it's that holding space. Like, let me learn you. Let me understand you. Let me, you know, I, we were, uh, we went for a walk. This was like at 20 years. We had gone for a walk in our neighborhood and mm-hmm. I had said to him, he's an Enneagram three. And I was like, babe, do you feel like you have to wear a mask in our marriage? And he's like, yes. And I was like mm. devastated. I was like, for 20 You're years. You're supposed to you, say no. <laughs> I know. I was like, for 20 years, you felt like you had to wear a mask. He's like, well, I've always, I feel, I have a hard time feeling like it's okay for me to do anything for me. And so wow. I was like, 
what? He he's like, yeah, if I want to watch a basketball game, I feel bad. Like maybe I, you think I should be doing something else. And uh, so we had this great conversation that day on that walk. And I just said, watch your basketball game, watch your football game. Like I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go shopping or uh, we have girls. Like uh, my oldest is a boy and then I've got three girls. So I'm very busy with my kids. Um, so I'm like, I'm, I'll, I'll do something with the kids, but I want you to feel the freedom to watch a game or go out with your guy friends whatever you need. I want you to be able to do that. There's been a huge change since that conversation happened where I've seen him, um, just a freer side of him that he doesn't feel guilty, but I had no idea that he felt like that for all those years. That that's what an encouraging story for everybody listening. Who's married is that required that required a vulnerability on your part to ask the question. It required real vulnerability and truth from him. It would be, it would have been probably a lot easier. Even the fact that the way he answered indicates mm-hmm. that he's, that he probably would, it would ordinarily have been hesitant to answer that mm-hmm. with real truth and honesty right. mm-hmm. because he wanted to protect you. So good on him for, for mm-hmm. the truth. And then good on you for not, again, for not taking that personally and just mm-hmm. getting your feelings hurt and retreating. Mm-hmm. But that required a lot for that interact. Mm-hmm. What you just described, what's it was a quick, you know, the the begin the, the question answer is a quick quick mm-hmm. piece of it. That required a heck of a lot, and you're talking about this four years later as mm-hmm. a pivotal conversation that you had, right? So yeah. good on both of you for doing that. Thank you. I mean, I think it's it's trust uh, at the end of the day, like yeah, you know, trust is time plus believable behavior, and so. You build that Say up. Say that one more time. Trust is time trust plus is believable time behavior. Trust is time plus believable behavior mm-hmm. equals trust. And so you build that up and um, you learn. I like yeah, that. You learn to trust each other through it. Tell people what to expect in this. So it's a seven session workbook. Tell Give give a little highlight, a little teaser um, on on what people can expect in, in, the, in the Enneagram in your marriage. Okay. In this book that you're going to walk through like the basics. So if you don't know anything about the Enneagram or you do and your partner doesn't, there's a little quick test in the back you can kind of, uh, you you can use for a jump off, but I don't want you to feel like, oh, that's my number. Let's go. I want you to be curious around it as you start to read. Um, So you'll read through some basic information around Enneagram numbers. Every single uh, part that I wrote has a story to help you understand what I'm talking about. So there's a lot of story in it. And then there's activities. I don't want you to skip the activities because activities help you to activate the information. So information is not transformation until it's activated. Okay. And I often say like, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I, you know, that's peanut butter, jelly and bread, but until you put it together, it's not a sandwich. And so it's the same thing with this information. You, You can have all the information, but until you do something with it, it's just, it's just knowledge. So take the time and do the activities. Some people buy, uh, they each buy a book and they want their own space. Some people buy one book and do it together. Um, But just designate a time that you're going to come back and you're going to talk about what you're learning about yourself and the other person. So this information in this book, it's side by side. So as you go through basic, you're going to go into more in-depth information around heart longing and childhood messaging and... um, passions and the ways that you miss the mark and all kinds of things in this book. Uh, But 
you know, I have had some testimonials of people saying like, I got like, you know, into it and I started crying and I've done all this work in therapy and this hit it in such a different way and, um, and wow. not in a bad way. They just felt like things got uncovered yeah. or, or unlocked in a different way through this, this type of, um, modality. And so I think take mm. your time. It is seven weeks. You don't have to do it in seven weeks. If you want to do it in, you know, 14 weeks, do it, do it however long it takes you to do it. Um, uh, but try to complete the, the, process of this because there is a beginning and end yeah. this brings you all the way through um and then at the end of it i think that you will sit with a very different and deeper understanding of your partner and yourself mm. we believe in it we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give away some some copies to our listeners because we do believe in it i mean it, just what how just imagine the world that we could have if people took the time. We're talking about seven weeks too. I mean, again, you can do it long. We're talking about seven weeks, and in, in a I don't know how many weeks are in a twenty four year marriage, but it's a it's a lot more weeks than seven. Yes, and we can take seven weeks. We can take a little bit of time to carve out, and then the message it communicates. Even and I'll talk to the to the fellas listening. Like guys, if you brought this in and you told your wife that you'd like to do that, I think once her jaw you know is picked up off the floor. Um, that you've initiated something like that. I think that just just the act itself communicates a lot that this is important to you. So we're going to give away some copies. And I really do really want to push for people to pick up a, a copy of the Enneagram in your marriage. Um, Jackie, I want to I want to ask you one question I've not prepped you for, but it's right in your it's right in your strike zone. But if if you had a a single piece of marital advice for people listening, a single piece of advice for somebody um, what would that advice be today? I think it would be, be kind and curious. Um, hmm. And I, meaning that when we encounter our partner, um, we're seeing life through our lens, through, through the way that we grew up, through all of our life experiences. And um, unless they're going to deep dive and tell us everything about everything, we don't really know their experiences, you know, uh, and it's taken me all of these years to learn things about my husband and his childhood experiences and everything that helped me to, to grow in empathy and compassion for him today. So curious and kind, um, don't take personal, what is not personal. Um, and just, so good. You know, it's, it is kind of like oftentimes when I'm working with couples that are just having a hard time, um, I'll, I'll ask them like, what was it that, that, what was the spark that made you guys even connect in the first place? You know, like go back to mm -hmm. that place. Um, but curious and kind is what I would say. Um, I love that. Mm. Yeah. That's our charge. That's all of us for today is, is let's do that. Let's just, and just see what happens. Just, just mm -hmm. be, um, just be willing to try just to be curious and kind. Um, Jackie, people can go to, again, your Instagram page at Enneagram with JB mm -hmm. and then Enneagram with JB.com. And then all of your work. Again, we mentioned the cards that are, that are mm -hmm. a great activity for, um, for families and, and, and spouses and individuals even, and then the Enneagram in your marriage, uh, what have I left out? Uh, I have a devotional. So hearing God speak, um, That's it's right. a 52-week Enneagram devotional that is absolutely beautiful. Um, so that that's out there too. That's great. 
Jackie Brewster, thank you so much. This is, you are a, a fountain of wisdom. This is encouraging. It's challenging. It's actionable. Um, so thank you for, uh, for all of that. And thank you very, very much for, for joining us here on the Aura podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, gang, we got two jobs. The first one is from the advice that Jackie gave at the very end. And I didn't prep her for that, by the way. So that was off the cuff. And her advice was to be kind and curious in your marriage. So that's job one. And by the way, let's just be kind and curious in general, but specific to your marriage, be kind and curious. That's job one. Job two, go get a copy of Jackie's book, The Enneagram and Your Marriage. I do think we need to put in the work. Um, Anybody who's married knows that you got to put in the work and what a statement you could make to your spouse, to your partner. If you brought this in and said, hey, this is important to me. Let's go through these seven weeks together. Go get a copy. We are going to do a giveaway. So check our Instagram, check our socials, have some more information on that. And thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you feel like you have the tools to go be successful in your marriage. And thank you so much to Jackie Brewster for joining us. We can't wait to see you next week on the RO Podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining us this time. The RO Podcast is produced and edited by the team at Palm Tree Podco. Special thanks to Emily Miles for video and digital support and to our executive producer, RO's own Caitlin Farley.